Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, as we begin to open up our hearts and our minds to prepare to receive your word, we ask that you would stir up the gifts that's within us, Father. We ask that you would touch our pastor. Lord, we ask that you would pour the word of God in him so he can pour it out to us so that we can pour out to others in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we ask that you would have your way in the atmosphere, saturate this place with your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 It's good to be together. All right, let's uh, let's get ready. Turn your oh, turn in your Bibles to John chapter nine. John chapter. I was going to say Amen when I said it's good to be together. I was going to say Amen, but Charlie had said Amen so many times, I didn't want to say it again, so I went with All right. John chapter nine. When you get there in your Bible, let me hear you say Amen. Come on, say it like you mean it. Amen. John chapter nine. It is good to be back together. I was just share, I was sharing with some of the other folks that we didn't miss a Sunday, but being away with the rest of the pastoral staff all week, it felt like we missed a lot. Like we got back and we were just like, wow, that was so great. But at the same time, we we're like, man, we miss our church family. So uh, I, I, I jumped up with full anticipation today to, to get together in the word. Um, if you haven't been with us lately, we're going through the gospel of John one chapter a week, and we're just going to keep work, walking our way through it. Uh, probably through the end of the school year, we probably will wrap up sometime around then. But we're in, we're in chapter 9 today, and we're going to try to take a look at it. But before we get too deep into that, I want to just kind of pose some things for us to think about. And then I'm actually going to give you my, my sermon points, just in case I get off on some other story at some point. You don't miss the rest of the, the, the meat of what we're going to say. And then we'll go back and actually preach the message. But here's the, here's the question I want to lead with this morning is, uh, and you don't, you don't have to answer this out loud, but I do want you to stir within your spirit uh, to, to the depths to where you find a true answer to this question. Do you believe that God still spiritually and physically heals? Yeah, but you, you, you missed the part where you don't have to answer out loud. You don't have to answer out loud. I want you to, I, 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 everybody's going to say yes to that. All right, let me just cut the chain. Everybody's going to say yes to that because it just feels like what we're supposed to say as Christians. It feels like as Christians, we're supposed to believe that, that God still heals, that we pray for somebody who is sick, and we believe that God will still heal or God can still heal. I'm not asking that. I'm not asking that. that that's kind of the surface level answer to the question. That's why I said I want you to stir deep within, right? So the, the, the way to help you figure out whether you still believe that is if, if the answer to the question is yes, you believe that, then the reality of how you live will evidence that, all right? So I'm going to ask that same question again. Again, I want you to stir deep. I mean, go deeper than, the, than whatever would project forward. Like, ask yourself, like, do I actually live with the hope, with the anticipation, with the belief that God will physically and spiritually heal? All right, so I'm going to ask that question again. Do you believe that God both spiritually and physically still heals. I'll give you some examples that help you think about whether you believe that or not. Did you ever see somebody who was really hurting? Maybe arm in a sling. Maybe walking with a limp. Maybe just overcome with a, with a chest cold that left half of their body like not functioning to capacity. What went through your mind when you saw that? Did you extend a hand? Were you challenged in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit to extend a hand? 
The answer to that question wraps up, a, you know, ties up a whole lot of things for us, and we can think of things like, well, you know, like, we, we live in a day in which there's medicine, and there's, when doctors have skills that we never imagined, and all this kind great. Do you believe that God still physically and spiritually heals? Driving down the road recently, and uh, on the other side of the highway, so I'm on a four-lane highway, I, I don't know how you describe this, Two lanes going this way, and then a, a median, and then two lanes going the other way, right? So I, I'll call that a four-lane, but it seemed like almost two distinct roads. And uh, on, the, on the other side would have been coming the, the opposite direction to me. There was a car that was upside down. It was on its roof, right? And uh, there was, you know, it, it was causing, you know, kind of the, the, the rubber neck syndrome where everybody's like, you know, looking as they drive past. I just drove past, you know, and I did like everybody else did. I looked, and I drove past, and I was, you know, about, about four minutes down the road, I felt the conviction of the Lord. Like, why were you so interested in looking if you weren't willing to pray that I would manifest myself there? And I felt overcome. Now, I didn't let the kids know. I just said, oh, yeah, Dad's just got something in his eye, you know, but, but I was overcome. Do you believe that God physically and spiritually heals? We all believe that God spiritually heals, otherwise we wouldn't be sitting here today. We believe that, that God is the one who actually restores our soul from death to life. Amen? Amen? Come on, say it like you mean it. Somebody might not yet know. We believe that God restores our soul from death to life. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, so we believe in the spiritual. We believe that, God, you can take what is bound in one direction and free it and send it in another. God, I know you can do that. I know that through the cross and then through the tomb that, God, you can restore my life. But do I believe that physically God will? One of the things we got to do while we're down in, uh, he's not in here to enjoy this story, I don't think, but uh, uh, yeah, we, we were down in Orlando and let me just help you kind of get a picture for, we went down to a pastor's conference. There were 5,000 pastors and leaders from, all, from, from 25 different countries who gathered together down there. And all the pastors and leaders were focused on one thing. It was about, I guess, two things, discipleship, and, and then how do we empower the church to multiply, to, to birth other churches, to, to do what we're doing, what we're in the, in the practice of doing right here with and down the road, that same idea, how do, we, how, do we, how do we go broader and bigger and, and continue to do that? How do we, how do we make it so that the, every corner of our community has an expression of the gospel, right? And so that's the questions we're asking while we're all gathered together. But let me not, let me not mislead you. We were down there for, for five full days. We were going to get some fun in while we were down there. And so um, we had half of our team was under 30, and then the rest of us, right? So the half our team were under 30, and then some of us were much more senior than that. And, uh, and so, you know, we had to have a balance of, like, things that young people do and things that older people do. And, uh, but unfortunately, we started with the balance of what younger people do. And so uh, the young guys, uh, you know, started, started talking the way that they would, and they challenged some of us older folks to a game of basketball. And I just thought to myself, you don't know our skill set. And, uh, and that was true. They didn't. And, uh, but we did not know uh, how much we would hurt after displaying our skill set. <laughs> and so we were about four plays into the game, and our children's pastor put a, put a dribble on that moved me from left to the right. But, you know, being, the, being the, the nimble guy that I am, I just threw my body in front of him. And when I did, he just came like a truck and ran me over. <clears throat> 
I had to jump up and save any ounce of pride that I have left, but half of my body stayed on the ground. So the rest of the game, I just kind of played like this, right? And the rest of the week, I kind of walked around with a little bit of a step, and, uh, and, uh, and still, last night, if you, if you follow on social media, you'll see it like 3 o'clock in the morning. I posted and said, I guess not sleeping tonight, I might as well be praying. I jumped up at 3 o'clock in the morning because half of my body was in just in such tremendous pain. And, uh, and I'm not saying that so you feel bad for me, I'm saying that to illustrate the point. I laid there and I thought to myself, God, do you still heal? I'm going to get up in the morning and preach about this. I'm going to get up in the morning. You don't need to give me more illustrations. I've got enough. But God, do you still heal? So I pose one more time to you the same question again. Stir deeper this time. Do you believe that God physically and spiritually heals? Father God, would you bless your word as we take a look at it now, God? Would you enable your word to speak life? God, I pray that if there anybody who might be here who doesn't yet know you as the giver of life, the physical, spiritual, and, uh, and emotional healer, God, that I pray that today, God, that they would be set free. In Jesus' name, amen. I shared with you, I was going to tell you what I was going to preach about. So here's the points. I'm going to rattle them fast because I'm going to try to come back to them again later. But these are the four things I'm going to try to tackle this morning. The first one is this. I want everybody to know today that uh, what we see as a disability, God can use for his glory. Let me say that again. What we see as a disability, God can use for his glory. If you're going to take notes, I'm giving you the notes right now. What we see as a disability, God can use for his glory. We'll come back and make sense of it. The second thing is this. God's instruction requires an immediate response. God's instruction requires an an immediate response. Third, our testimony is evidence that God is still at work. And then finally, posed in the form of a question, how much more must Jesus do that the lost would be found and the blind would see? How much more must Jesus do that the lost would be found and the blind will see? Again, what we see is our disability God can use for his glory. God's instruction uh, requires an immediate response. Our testimony is evidence that God is at work, and how much more must we must must Jesus do that the lost be found and the blind might see? As he went along, I'm in nine chapter one. As he, I'm in chapter nine verse one. As he went along, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? that he was born blind. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said, but this, this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, he must do the works of, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world." As he went along, you'll see in the end of chapter 8, Jesus escapes from the crowd, and now he's on his way. As he went along, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Really important that John points out right initially that this man was blind from the beginning of his story. Important for two reasons. Number one, we need to recognize that that means this man has never experienced the ability to see. 
All right. I don't know if you have any friends or people in your family or somebody you might know who is blind. I have a good friend who um, I've shared this story before who was in a car accident, a tragic car accident in his uh, freshman year of high school and, uh, and was struck in the forehead with a telephone pole. And, uh, and as a result, was, was, was blind the rest of his days and, um, and the rest of his days until now it still is. And so um, I, I, I had the experience my sophomore and junior year to, uh, to be his writing buddy while he was learning to read Braille. It took him a while to learn to read Braille. And so I, I used to go to his house after school every day, and I would read him his homework, and I would write his answers for him. And, uh, and, and, and I got to experience a lot of uh, what, it, what it was like for somebody to be blind. And so in class and school, until he got paired up his junior year with, a, with an aide from the state, uh, I, I was his walking buddy. I navigated the hallways for him, and I watched him try to figure out how to use his stick and, and all those kind of things. This guy who, um, who but, but my point of that, when I would talk to Joey about colors, he would say to me, say, hey, what's, what, what's Ed wearing today? And I would say, oh, and it was kind of funny to ask me, but I would, I would try to describe what Ed was wearing. And, and if you don't know why that's funny, you can ask somebody later. But I was trying to describe what Ed was wearing, and, but he could visualize it because he had seen before, right? So he could actually walk up and he could touch my face. And, and he could, when he touched my face, he had a sense of what somebody looked like because he had seen what people look like before. So it wasn't just the outline of a figure. He could really imagine it because he had seen colors and he had seen shades and, and he knew what guys and girls looked like. And, and, and so this, the, I, I was helping to fill in the dots for him. But the story here in the Gospel of John is about a man who's never been able to see. He's been blind from birth. Now, now understand the day and the age. The, 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 the mindset during that time was that if you were born with an ailment... It was your parents' fault. Somewhere in your family lineage, somebody had done something wrong. And this was the cursing of the Lord. This was God's way of, of getting back at your family by, by giving you a physical ailment. So if somebody was born without a limb or somebody was born uh, you know, deaf or, or mute or blind, um, these, were all, these were all things that were pointed back to the parents. And then if you acquired something like that, some, some kind of ailment that would have, that, that would have uh, impeded your ability to function uh, for a long time, um, then it was a result of sin in your life. This was the understanding of the day. Okay, you follow me? Not if you got where I'm going. You got me? All right, I hope so. I hope so. All right, so, so John says that he saw a man who was blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? In other words, whose fault is it that this guy is like that? This man or his parents, and uh, th- that he was born, that he was born blind. And and Jesus replies in verse three, he says, "Neither the man nor his parents sinned." Please don't understand. Please don't understand that to be that they were sinless. Jesus was not equating them to having never sinned. He was saying that the result of their of his blindness was not a result of the sin in someone's life. Now, Jesus introduces a new idea here. The the disciples hadn't thought of this. Maybe God is going to use this guy's limitations, disabilities, to somehow honor God. Remember I asked you at the beginning, what was the question I asked? Somebody shout out, what was the question I asked at the beginning? Do you believe that God can spiritually and physically heal? 
It's not his parents' fault, nor his fault. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Somehow, God is going to take this man's disabilities and is going to display the power, the might, the work, the handiwork, the the craftsmanship of God in him. Now let's stop for one second, because what you might do right there is jump to the end of the story. How many of us went to the end of the story? We just thought, oh yeah, God's going to heal him, and that's going to show the power of God, right? How many of us went there? Come on, be honest, come on, come on, because you know how the story goes, right? But watch this. What if, what if, what if in that person's situation as is, even if God didn't heal, what if it still displayed the unique and po- the unique power and authority that only God has? See, our minds say that in order for God to win that day, this guy's got to walk right, he's got to be able to see, he's got to be able to go out and testify, and we know how the story goes. He does those things. But I want to say to you today that God is still displaying his power and his might and his authority and his craftsmanship in you while you still have a thorn in the flesh, while you still have a limb that's not functioning, while you still have an eye that sags to the left. Whatever that story, those things are true for me. Whatever those stories are for you, I want you to understand this. It's not in the, it's, it, God. God does display his power, his might, his ability in the healing process, but he also displays those things in the situation you're sitting in right now. You are not less than because you're not the same as. Do you hear that? Come on, come on, because somebody needs to understand this. You're not less than because you're sitting there and you're saying, but I can't move the way they did. we went on this long journey throughout the week, and we went into all these sessions, and we're getting all this teaching and all this craziness filling our mind with, with great stuff, and we're coming back, and we're like, we're going to transform the world, and, and we're so excited. But th- then Friday came, and we had this, this afternoon of this, this, this day. We didn't, what are we going to do on Friday? We're going to hang out. God, I, we got praying on Thursday night. God, would you give us something on Friday that just kind of seals the deal? And so we get up on Friday morning, and we say, you know what? We're going to go zip lining. I mean, there's no greater way to testify to the goodness of God than to be falling, plummeting to the earth at like 40 miles an hour, like scared that you're going to die. Like you either know Jesus or you're going to meet him. Amen? All right. And so, so we're going to go ziplining. So, we, you know, we, we did the quick Google search. Where can we go ziplining? We found this place. It was like four miles from the house. This was going to be fantastic. What we didn't read was the fine print, which said in order to take the zipline, you had to do this whole ropes course thing to get to the top. And then zip line down, free fall until you meet Jesus. And so, um, so we're 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 moving, we're trans, we're, we're moving through this course of of things, and 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 finally we get to this thing. It's called it, it, it was called the leap of faith. Now that should have been enough. You just knew right there. You just know how this story goes. It's a dangling Tarzan rope that's about six feet in front of you, and uh, you're on a platform that's about the size of that speaker. So you got like one step and then a leap. And if you make it to the rope, yes. And then the rope would then swing you to a cargo net that you would climb on. For some reason, none of us thought this was a bad idea. (laughs) Let me help you understand who was there. Let me help you understand who was there. It was was Pastor Ricky and Pastor Rick and then Pastor Charlie and then myself 
and Amy and Crawford and Lewis. And so we were all there, and none of us had the common sense to say this is a bad idea. And so we all, we probably all thought it, but none of us said it out loud. And so, so here it is, just one after another. You take the step, and then you fly, and you hug for hope. And if you didn't hit the ground, you slide to the net. And if you have any, any energy left, you climb to the top. And so one after another, we're kind of... And we get to the net, and then we, 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 for the most part, we're just like, I, I got nothing. I got nothing. Well, what, what happened, in a, in a true story, what happened is that uh, one of our pastors got to the net and had nothing. Got all the way to the net, and just body just gave out. Just the full shutdown. And we're standing there, we're, we're kind of on the platform, and, and you know, and we're, we're all led by Amy. She is the greatest spiritual encourager that you'll ever meet. I mean, <laughs> I mean you get run over by a truck, and Amy's like, it's going to be all right. <laughs> Jesus! You know, I just, I, I, mean, I, I just felt like I could have I could I could overcome the world in that moment. But hanging there on the net, like, Lord, you know, take me home. Take me home. And the rest of the people around cheering you on. Hanging on the net and just saying, I, I, body is shut down. I got nothing left. And, and I, remember, I remember watching, like, like, face swell up with, like, emotion. Like, like somehow they were less than because they were out because the body was done. And we just encouraged, and we cut the net and just let them fall to the ground and, and just prayed that they would resurrect. <laughs> and they're here. It's great. But watch this, watch this. Many of us think that it's only if we find victory that God is on display. But I actually believe that God is on display in what you're in right now. God is on display when you're at your best, and his craftsmanship is still on display when your body gives out. He's on display when you're this big and you're dependent on mom, and he's on display when, you're, when you've shrunk down to this size and you're dependent on children. That God is every bit as active and faithful in the moments that you're in as he is in the moments that he sees you through. But he's going to put his power on display in a very special way here. Jesus goes on to say, he says, uh, but this happened so that God might be displayed, the power of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, he's going to make this comparison, day and night, day and night thing. Go back to chapter 8 if you don't know enough about that, but he's going to do the day and night thing. As long as it is day, we must do the works of God who sent me. Night is coming when no one will work. But while I am here, I am the light, light and darkness again. I am the light in the world. Jesus is implying that the end is coming. There is going to come a day when the story as we see it around us will end. But until that day, we got a job to do. Somebody say, we got work to do. Come on, we got work to do. Until the day when Jesus says enough is enough, we have work to do. And he says that work is the work of the one who sent him. In other words, God's got an appointment out there in front of us. And you and I have an opportunity and a responsibility to step forward into that. But the night will come. There will come a time when God says, that's it. This story wraps up. If you don't know how this whole story goes, let me just say this to you. Jesus has already come and he has promised us one thing that he's coming back again. He's promised us that there will be a day in which he returns, and this story, as we know it here, will be over. 
And for those of us who have entrusted our lives to the Lord, whether we've fallen asleep already or whether we're still active in that day, when that day comes, Jesus will restore us unto himself. But from now till then, we got work to do. We got work to do. We got a life to live. And the, my college students who are here, you're living that life right now. You are actively putting on display the work and the power of God. Whether you know it or not, you might have came to Philly because of the cheesesteaks, or you might have came to Philly because you wanted to serve and get cheesesteaks. But either way, get your cheesesteaks, and thank you for displaying the power and the work of God. We got work to do. God is doing something. Verse 6, after saying this, Jesus bent over, spits on the ground. I just want to let everybody settle in on that for a minute. It's like, it's like, if you're from the country, you feel really good about this. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah. You just picture him like straw in his mouth, you know, like maybe, maybe it's just me. All right. And Jesus spits on the ground. He made some mud, and he put it on the man's eyes. Now, verse 7 is the, really the key. But stick, stick on six for a second. Jesus doesn't need mud to heal somebody, right? We do know that, right? You understand that there was no power in the dirt right? It's actually ironic that he's going to use mud to heal somebody. He's going to use dirt to heal somebody. Jesus is going to take the lowliest of things, and he's going to use it for the holiest of purpose. Think about this. Only place dirt is is underfoot, right? You don't think about it when you're walking on, except you don't want to step in the really dirty, dirty spots, right? Don't, Don't wear your muddy shoes in the house, right? But, but, He's going to use dirt to heal somebody. If Jesus can spit on dirt and heal somebody, what can he do with a willing vessel like you? If he can spit on dirt and pluck it on somebody's eyes and through that moment can heal somebody, what can he do if you just put, yeah, yeah, you spit on something too. What What can he do if you just put your hands out and say, God, I'm willing? God, I'm willing. God, I'm willing. So Jesus spits on the ground, made some mud, put it on his eyes, and this is what he says. Young man, do you believe in the four spiritual laws? He doesn't say that. We might say that today, and and there's no, no offense to that, but this is all he says. He says, go. Go and wash up. He sends him somewhere to wash his face. Think about this for a second. Jesus' declarative statement to this guy is go. Go. He is sent. He is pointed somewhere and he is told, go. We know nothing about this guy's faith yet. We know nothing about him having surrendered his life to the Lord yet. All we know is that he was blind and with some mud Jesus said, go. And we know this. He went. I want to sit here for a second with you. For how many of us, you don't need to raise your hand. I'll just raise my hand for all of us, and you can confirm in your spirit whether it's true for you. For how many of us do we struggle when God says, go? Do we struggle? Do we ask for more clarity? Right? God says, go. Well, go where, God? Go how far? How long is it going to take me? How am I going to get back? What do I need to do while I'm there? Do I have enough to get it done? Right? This guy is told, go. Ironically, he's not told how to get there. 
Think about this. He's blind. Jesus says, go to the pool. Where's the pool, Jesus? Where do I go? All he is told by God is, go. And the scripture says, look at the second half of verse 7. So the man went, and he washed, and he came home seeing. First thing I wanted to say this morning, what we see is our disability God can use for his glory. I hope you saw that displayed here, declared that Jesus, Jesus in, indeed said that himself. He said that uh, this happened so that the works of God might be displayed, might be on display in this young man. The second thing was that God's instruction requires an immediate response. The immediate response is that he went. Go, yes. Go, yes. Go, yes. Watch this. Here you go. A delayed obedience is still disobedience. Oh, this is going to get somebody. A delayed obedience is still disobedience. Because God said go. Go means now. Now. Let nothing impair you. Go. Let nothing hinder you. Go. Jesus goes to the top of the mountain, looks with his disciples, goes out there and says, that's where I want you to go. Go out into the world. Make disciples. That's a declared now statement. That's not a sit around and think about it for a long time. It's go. I remember when I was a kid, my mom would say, you can go out and play. Just make sure you're home when the, come on, somebody knows it. Make sure you're home when the street lights come on. There was a street light right across from my house, directly across from my house. My mom only had to look out the front door, and she would know whether that street light was on. Sometimes I might go over to the bottom of the pole and kick it really hard so that it wouldn't come on later that day, but, but that's, that's a hidden trick. But make sure, you, make sure you're home when the street lights come on. If I came home and the street lights were on, I couldn't be like, well, Mom, I was on my way home. Mom just said, be home when the street lights come on. So I need to be on the front steps when the street lights come on. Now, I understood to obey mom because when I didn't, she, let, she reminded me I was supposed to obey her. You know what I mean? So Anybody ever get that? You can raise your hand. Your parents aren't here. It's only my mom who's here. That's all right. It's cool. It's cool. Right? Now, now, our Heavenly Father doesn't operate that way, but he does say go. When he says go, he means now. And some of us need to understand this because what we do is we hear God saying go, and we, begin to, we, we think that's an invitation to negotiate. All right, God, so let's work this out. You mean go. And when you say go, you mean like um, in a couple of months, in a couple of years, once I get everything together, once I have all the answers, once, I, once I've gathered enough stuff. I mean, we begin a negotiation process back and forth, back and forth. And the reality is God has just said, go. He said to the guy who was blind, he said, go. He actually didn't tell him that he was going to heal him. He just spit on some dirt, put it on his eyes and said, go wash. And as a result of going, the guy was healed. Do you see that? As he obeyed God, God displayed even greater works in his life. How are you doing at saying yes when the Lord asks you to go? 
Verse 8, his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was, but others said, no, he just looks like that guy. But then the guy himself insisted, I am that man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. And he replied, that man they called Jesus, he made some mud and and he put it on my eyes and he told me to, come on, come on, he told me to what? Come on, I'm in verse 11. He told me to go to Siloam and, 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 and wash. And so I went and I washed and then I could. I mean, this guy is, just imagine it. He's seeing for the first time. He's like, colors. This is great. Some of you have seen, there's a, there's a, a video that went viral a while ago. It was the kid, a little kid, an, like a toddler who got glasses for the first time. Did anybody see this? There's a toddler, I, I should have been a better pastor and found it for you, but I just thought of it right now. But there's, there's a toddler who, who gets class for the first time. And he's like, you know, and the kids just function as normal. And then all of a sudden, I, I think the kid's like eating cereal or something. And they put the glasses on the kid and he's like, this is the greatest thing ever. And it starts to like scream with joy and excitement and touch everything. I mean, think about what's happened for this guy. He couldn't see for his whole life. And he went and he had dirt on his eyes and he was a mess. And, and he had no idea where to find hope in. And this guy, Jesus, and when he washes his face, he's healed. And he can see. And he's like, wow. And he looks in the mirror and he's like, wow. Like, this is great. And somebody's like, aren't you that guy who was blind? And he says, yeah, yeah, I was. And I don't know how it happened. And and I don't have any answers for you. I just washed my face like that guy told me to do. And this happened. Think about this. What stops you and me from testifying to the world the goodness of God? It's either one, we haven't experienced the goodness of God, we've only heard about it, we don't really know how good he is, or two, we're scared that somebody might ask us something that we don't have an answer to. I might go up to you and be like, I want you to know Jesus, and you're like, well, what's his middle name? And you're like, uh, Carpenter. <laughs> right? You know, like, I don't know. I don't know, you know, but, some of us are so bound by that fear, we, we don't go forward. But this guy is just walking around. He's like, I can see for the first time. This is so cool. And he's like, I am that guy. I am that guy. Well, who did? I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's just this, that Jesus guy, and I don't know anything else except I can see. Think about it. What if you and I just ran around town just, just saying, this is what he did. This is what he did. I was hopeless, and I have hope. I had no joy, and I have joy. I was hurt, and now I'm not. I was broken, and now I'm whole. I mean, whatever it is that God has done, my marriage has fallen apart, and now it's resurrected. It's not, I use that illustration every time my wife's not in church. I am sorry. My kid is sick, and she's fine. But, uh, but, but you know, whatever, whatever your situation is, right, you're like, you're like what, what if you just testified to this is what God has done? I don't know anything else to tell you, except this is what he's done. Maybe he'll spit on the ground for you too, but he spit on the ground and this happened. I hope you can see and visualize the story of this guy giving, uh, giving this illustration. But our testimony, I said the third thing I was going to say this morning, our testimony is the evidence that God is at work. I was blind and now I I was blind, and now I see. 
That's all I, that's all I know to say. 13. They brought to the Pharisees the man who was blind, who had been blind, and, and now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. Let's, let's, let's pause here for a second so we can get it. Uh, if you have your Bibles open, flip over to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. It's back at the beginning of your Bibles. Genesis, Exodus, there you go, second book. Exodus chapter 20. Amen. When you get there, you might be faster than me. Electronic ones don't count as an amen. All right, I'm in, uh, I'm in verse 8. 20, 20 verse 8. 20 verse 8. Amen if you're there. All right, this is, the, this, is, uh, this is the word of the Lord. This is God's law through Moses, one of the Ten Commandments. Remember to keep the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Uh, on it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your sons or daughters, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigners residing in your town. For in six days of the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea, and the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy, right? So here's the declarative statement that God has said, I want you to keep the Sabbath, I want you to keep it holy. The, uh, the, 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 Jewish, the, the Jewish leaders, um, they, they were firm on that, they understood that, they, they honored that, they, they, they held that as law. Um, and then enter Jesus. All right, go to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 12. I want you to see what Jesus does. Matthew chapter 12. Remember what we just read, right? Remember what we just read? Keep the Sabbath. Come on, somebody remember that? Keep the Sabbath. All right, 12, verse 10, starting in verse 10. Here's a story about Jesus and the Sabbath. I'm in Matthew chapter 12. I'm going to start in verse 10. I'm going to start in, I'm going to start in verse 9. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man who was shriveled, who had a shriveled hand, was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, they said, Jesus, is it lawful for you to heal on the Sabbath? And Jesus, this is how Jesus responded, Jesus said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Now, Jesus understands the law. He understands what the actual law says in, in, in Exodus uh, chapter, what was it we read? Exodus chapter 20. In Exodus chapter 20, he understands what the law says, that we shall not work on the Sabbath. And Jesus says, it's unlawful to work on the Sabbath, but it is very lawful to do what is good. Right? This is an interpretation that Jesus is making. He's saying it's, it's right to do what's right on the day that you're holding is holy. <clears throat> you finish the story there and it says uh, um, 13, then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched out his hand and it was completely restored just as, a sound, just as sound as the other hand. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they would kill Jesus. This is their response. We're unhappy with the fact that you did that, Jesus. You didn't, you didn't live the law the way we, interpret, we, way we understood you to, to live the law, and so as a result, we're going to have you killed. Come back to Gospel of John, Gospel of John chapter 9. <clears throat> Jesus is doing another miracle on the Sabbath. He's just healed somebody who was blind on the Sabbath. Now, you might think to yourself, why didn't Jesus just heal on another day? Like, he could have done the same thing and kept himself out of trouble, but that's not, Jesus is going to cut to the point here. So 15, therefore the Pharisees also asked him, 
how he had received his sight. They're talking to the man who was once blind. He says, he put mud on my eyes, and, and, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Now we got an accusation. But others said, he, how can a sinner perform such signs? In other words, the evidence that he is from God is in the fact of what he has done. So they themselves were divided. 17. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes that he opened. The blind man says, he is a prophet. He's not blind anymore, but the man replied, he is a prophet. 18. They still did not believe him. So uh, they, they still did not believe that he had been blind and had received sight until they sent for the man's parents. In other words, we want somebody to, 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 uh, to say yes to your story. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say who was blind, who was born blind? How is it that he can see? We know he is our son, and we know he was born blind. But, but how he can see now, or who opened his eyes? We don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. If you're not sure what's going on there, understand this, that if they testified that Jesus was the Messiah, they were at least going to be put out and maybe going to be charged and put to death, right? So as a result, they just said, uh, ask my son. He's an old enough man. He'll, he'll handle it. Good luck, son. Hope you can see your way through that. See what I did there? See what I did there? All right, good, good. I hope you got that one. All right, um, turn over to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to wind to the end here real quick. 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. Amen if you get there. 3, 15. 1 Peter's in the back of your Bible. Somewhere back there. Somebody, somebody, somebody. I heard a couple. I heard a couple. I'm looking for a couple more while I turn. 1 Peter 3. All right, I'm in 3. I'm looking at 15. In your hearts, revere Christ as... Somebody else there, right? 1 Peter 3, 15. But in your heart, revere Christ as Lord. Okay, thank you, thank you. Uh, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give reason for the hope that you have, but do it with gentleness and respect. Peter's instruction to the early church was, be ready to testify to the one, about the one who gives us hope, right? The testimony might simply be, I know this guy, and he, wa- he told me to wash my face, and I washed it, and my life is different. That's all I know. I don't know how he came from God. I don't know how he belongs to the Trinitarian form. I just know of this Jesus guy. That's all that I know, but I give you what I know. This is what this guy said. He said, all I know is that I couldn't see, and now I can, and I know there was some dirt. I know there was some dirt involved. They begin, to, they begin to ask him more intentional questions, but, but who is he? Prophetic? I mean, he seems like somebody who knows things that the average person doesn't. That's all he knows about Jesus. And that's what he says. I think some of us just need to be willing to say what we know. We need to be willing to say what we know. One of the speakers who was at the conference said, um, challenged, uh, challenged us to be willing to neighbor well. And he said something to the effect of be willing to say to your non-Christian friends the same testimony you would give to your Christian friends. Right? Man, I, I, I see somebody who I haven't seen in a while who I know they love the Lord and I love the Lord and, and I immediately testify to what God has done. But I see somebody I haven't seen for a while who doesn't know the Lord and I begin to talk about things that have nothing to do with God. Right? Just be willing to testify for who God is in every situation. 
That's who he is. This is what he's done. By the way, if you, if you were sleeping last night, God did a miracle. God did a miracle. Now, it's not the kind of miracle you would think of, so let me just help you. I am a, I am a fan of the Oakland Raiders. He did not heal me of that, in case that's what you were thinking. But he brought hope to our team. For a third and fifth round pick, we got Antonio Brown. All right, that is miraculous. That is miraculous. If you don't know what that is, just Google that and we'll wrap it up. All right, here we go. The last thing I wanted to say this morning is this. How much more must Jesus do that the lost would be found and the blind might see? You see, I think our spiritual awakening is hindered, I hope you hear this today, by our physical paralysis that is bound to our pursuit of knowing more. Let me unpack that for you. Most of us tie ourselves to the amount we know about God. But today's story is evidence. There's a man who didn't know anything about God. He didn't know anything about who this Jesus guy was. And Jesus not only healed him, he used him to testify. And then later the guy says, Jesus, I want to be your disciple. There's no evidence that he even knew what a disciple was. I know this much about you, but that's enough for me to know I'm willing to be yours. But we grew up in a day and an age today, and we live in a day and an age where knowledge is king. And we have all the answers at, at our fingertips, literally, on the keystrokes. I think Marcus, who is uh, our office manager here, and he's up teaching children's church, he put a post up. If you follow it, he said, don't forget to set your clocks ahead. By the way, congratulations to everybody who got here on time. Don't forget to set your clocks to, to be ready for today, unless you're subject to a cell phone, and then you don't need to know anything, because it does it for you, right? Right? Your phone just automatically changes its time. And, uh, but, but how true is this? We pursue knowledge. We cram as much as we can in, and the more we gather and put up here, the more we think we have it together. And so we're, 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 we, found our, we find ourselves bound to that, God, I can't go testify about who you are until I know more. God, I can't go out and witness to somebody. I can't actually offer life to somebody because what if I just don't know enough? Well, here's the truth. You don't know enough. Here's another good news, some other good news. You're in really good company with people who don't know enough. But what you do know is something that no one can deny. You were blind but now you see. And all you have to say and all you have to say is I was lost, but I'm found. I was a mess, and I'm a little bit less. I was wayward, but I'm homebound. Jesus has done something here. I don't have a lot to offer you, but what I have I give to you. The one who saved my life comes to offer you that same salvation. If you're here and you don't know this, if you're here and you've been pursuing as much knowledge as you can, by the way, you're studying in school, please, don't go back being like, hey, that pastor said I don't have to study anymore. I don't need no more knowledge. All I know is I was blind and I could keep pursuing knowledge, but understand that knowledge is not what we're talking about today. If you've been subject to that, Instead of subject to this, I just simply want to tell you today, 
you can be free and you can testify. I don't know a lot about him, but I know he picked up some dirt and now I can see. Father God, this morning, would you redeem each of us? God, would you restore each of us? God, would you renew in each of us a hope? God, you can take dirt, which is the lowliest, I mean, the thing that's trampled underfoot, and you can use that to be salvific, to be an agent of salvation, to be, to be something that brings life. God, you can take a guy who had never seen before, and you can give him freedom to see and to testify. God, if I would just think of the things that you have done, I would be silly not to run into the streets and tell everybody I see, yeah, yeah, man, my life is falling apart, and then there's this Jesus guy, he put me back together. I, I, I was lost. I was, I was running in a way that was going to lead me to death. And Jesus, he walked me to something else. I was hopeless. I was in despair. I was medicating to cover up the hurts in my life. But Jesus, the woman at the well runs into town and says, I know a guy who seems to know everything about the future. I don't know anything about him except that. You want to go meet him? Do you want to know more about him? Do you want to be able to see? Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to have hope again? Do you want to be restored? Do you want to be set free? Do you want to be loosened from the things that bind you up? Are you tired of turning to things that fail you? Do you want to come to something that offers you the, the, the fullness? So Peter says to the church, church, would you be ready to give the testimony when the opportunity comes? Just be ready. Paul says be ready in season and out of season. And John says that the, the man who was formerly blind stood up and said, he may be a prophet, and I don't know if he sinned or not, but I know this. I was blind, and now I see. And he later on says, I want to be his. If you're here today, and you want to be his, if you're here today, and you want to say, yes, Jesus, I want to, I want to, re I want to be resurrected with you. Yes, Jesus, I, I, I want to align my life with you. Yes, Jesus, I, I, I don't know a ton about you, but, but what I do know is that without you, I can't. This is a morning for you to be renewed, to be restored in your hope, or maybe to say yes to Jesus for the first time. In the stillness of your heart, I just encourage you to grab onto the words of this prayer. And Jesus, I don't know it all, but what I do know is this. On my own, the treadmill of life is winning against me. I can't keep up. I can't get ahead. 
it seems like sooner or later I'm going to fall on my face. So Jesus, today, would you free me from that? I've never trusted you to be the Lord of my life, or I've never trusted you fully. So I hear this one word, go. And my act of trust is an act of obedience. Yes, Lord, I will. Jesus, you died on the cross. But you didn't stay dead, you resurrected. We said that this morning. The tomb was empty. And if you can be raised from the dead, then you can take the broken and make us whole. You can take the lost and call them home. You can take the dead and bring them back to life. So God, here I am. I trust you. I'll share whatever I know, but I know this today. I believe on you for what's next. Wherever you're at in your story, wherever Jesus has been for you, you will trust him to be the Lord of your life. It's an eternal promise of here, now, and forever. If you want to walk through that a little bit more, I'd love to talk to you after church today. Any of our elders or pretty much anybody who's been here for more than a minute would love to talk to you too. We're excited for what God is doing. There's mud on my eyes. I got to go wash my face. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at rocksboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.